Welcome back to Fabulous. Hi, friends. I'm Shannon Payne. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. It is the fall time. It's fall, and it's finally the happiest season to ever, ever exist. I was trying to figure out why I'm so obsessed with it, other than just, you know, the color of my skin as, mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a white young lady. Right. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's because <laughs> it's finally well. It's still really hot here. Oh, it's hot as hell, but it's gonna not be hot anymore, mm-hmm. so I can wear my most favorite clothes, sweaters and shorts. And it is the like last hurrah before the arrival of my seasonal <laughs> depression. Yeah, so it's almost like we have to do it. We have to do it so Doing big, all of the things. Because as soon as the twinkle lights come down after Christmas, it's only sadness until like St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> minimum <laughs> depending on how late the snow starts <laughs> right so, so it's like live it up absolutely <laughs> you need all of the things i need to smell like the last remainder of my happiness mm-hmm. taste like the last remainder of my happiness i need to watch all of the movies and shows that are mm-hmm. the last remainder of my happiness <laughs> just the comfort of it all yeah. the way i can't wait to watch you've got mail mm. oh. but also cuddled up in a blanket and a hot beverage yes <sighs> and soups i love soups there are so many fun mm. Activities, Yes. Like we can go on like pumpkin walks. Yeah. And oh, I just love it. It's so much fun. They're doing Lantern Fest again. It's called something different. Have you <sighs> ever been to that? I want to so, so badly. There's one and the tickets are on sale for this holiday weekend. And then they're going to go up to like 59, which is oh, a lot wow. more than they used to be. So maybe I'll put it out. And see if who wants to go because that's magical. I I've seen pictures and videos and it looks just so beautiful and like wildly surreal. The scope of it is hard to describe unless yeah. you're there and seeing like the whole sky full of it. Yeah, like it, I think it's a hundred percent worth seeing if at least once for everyone. I think I'm gonna have to make this happen. And the lanterns, the how big they are in real mm-hmm. life is kind of mind blowing. Yeah, we should go. I think we should. I think that'd be really fun. I'll send us all the link and see who signs up. I think what I'm going to do also, everyone's going to be so interested in this because it applies to all of us. <laughs> to all of us. I'm going to make a fall um, like bucket list mm-hmm. and just post it to all our friends. Beautiful. And people can sign up for what they would like to attend mm-hmm. with me. So I always have a date to a fall thing. Perfect. <laughs> so much fun. And that way, just in case Seth Taylor gets tired of it, he doesn't have to go to all of them. <laughs> That's totally fair. He also cannot be forced to consume a hot beverage. Oh, no. It's just That's, not going to happen. It's not going to work for him. <laughs> he After, had a hot toddy once, and I was like, do you know what that is? Uh, do you feel? It's going to be hot. Do you feel okay? <laughs> I don't know. It makes sense. After Peru, the fact that he was able to wear shorts in so many different places, and we were all bundled up in coats, is just a whole different different <laughs> level. <laughs> I shared the picture of us. At one point of Rainbow Mountain when all six of us are together mm-hmm. and I'm like in a parka and hat <laughs> and Seth's in a t-shirt and shorts. And one of our friends messaged me back on Instagram and she's like, I'm very confused about the temperature <laughs> of this place. <laughs> Which like, same. is fair. Yes, the whole time. <laughs> when the wind's not blowing, it's hot. But when mm-hmm. the wind comes off a glacier, it's cold. Cold like, as hell. We were all confused. <laughs> I was also at some point wearing a tank top. Yeah. That's and then what happened. Back uh-huh. Like it was confusing. Yeah, it was confusing. You're not wrong, Kim. It was weird. It was weird. It was weird. <laughs> oh, I saw there's an option. Hey, if you guys are ever interested in doing Vini Cuco, uh, Rainbow Mountain in Peru, send us a message because we've since learned a great deal about it. There's mm. also an ATV version that I think is from the community on the opposite side. Okay. Um, so, and there's not a ton of information about it online because they've only been doing tourism there for like eight or nine years or something. Yeah, it's pretty recent. So if you're going there, send us a message. 
Let us tell you. Come chat with somebody who thought that her lungs were ready for this and turns out that they were not ready for this. (laughs) And also learn to accept in your heart that there's no way of knowing what that elevation feels like until you feel it. Mm -hmm. And it is weird as hell. It's not it's not great. (laughs) I ended up just seeing complete darkness several times on that on that trip. That particular portion. It was daytime. None of us were seeing the same darkness. No. Maybe some people saw darkness of their own. Mm hmm. It was got pretty deep. It was intense. Yeah, it was deep. Seth got eaten by several bugs. He sure did. Bless his heart. Mm, I'm glad he survived. Doesn't he have the best attitude? He sure does. He's a trooper. Yeah. Oh, the fall, the fall, the fall. It's so much fun. And one fun aspect of it is Harvest Festival. Oh, I love them. (laughs) I love them. You love them. We all love them. Get your tote bag. And your most Instagrammable outfit. And say goodbye to little Sebastian. Yes. Mm. Just walk <laughs> through the world. Yes. In in the crispness of it. Mm. So good. It's the best. That's so much fun. Who's Ooh. starting this week? I already forgot. You. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we picked some different Harvest Festival traditions to talk about this week, which I think is actually pretty exciting. And we actually got to find really different topics, which is pretty cool. Like, they're yes. very similar in a lot of ways, but they're very different. So this week, I'm taking you guys over into the East, and we're going to talk about something that's more China, Taiwan, Hong Kong related. I love that. I think we forget all the time how old their history is. Yes. And it's lovely to learn about like truly ancient things. Yes. And this is like a really big part of Earth's population. Yeah. So I feel like understanding what they see and what they celebrate is going to be really fun. Like, like half, maybe more than maybe half. Maybe more than half. That's a lot of human it's beings. a lot of human beings over there. Their, their history is important to us. All right, so this week I'm going to tell you guys about the Mid-Autumn Festival. And I'm going to start all this off with a quote, and it really kind of just sums up the whole thing. So it says, may we live long and share the beauty of the moon together, even if we are hundreds of miles apart. (gasps) I hope we do. Isn't that sweet? That comes from a really famous song, Dynasty Poem, written by Sushi. It's sweet. Beyond sweet. And it just... I I read this quote and I'm like, this is this festival. That is what this festival is about. It's all, it's just, it's so cute. So the Mid-Autumn Festival. It's also called the Moon Festival. It is also called the Mooncake Festival, which we are oh. so going to get into. <laughs> I'm not going to like be a bring it up or about it. Oh, but I do. just want everyone to know that throughout this entire conversation of the moon. Yeah, I am. I am thinking about Taylor Swift's new album, Midnights, mm-hmm. and how it associates with the moon and everything yes. all the people on Swift Talk have been telling me mm-hmm. and whether or not Taylor's going to come out as queer. I am. Okay. That's so, fair. you know, I know. We're, that's We're it. We're all there. Okay. Moon I cake. feel this. Mooncake. Here we go. <laughs> so this celebration gathers revelers all over the East, places like mainland China, Hong Kong, Macau, and Taiwan. So this is, this is there, but it goes... Korea has their own version, like the North and South Koreas all have their own deal of what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is everywhere. And everyone that has seasons or a harvest, I mean, it happens. Right? It just happens. So this festival hits every year on the 15th day of the eighth month of the Chinese lunar, sol- lunar solar calendar. So that's typically mid-September to early October for those of us who follow the Gregorian calendar. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I needed that for <laughs> me. Um, and so this year, it's on September 10th for us. 
Um, and then just so that way you're all aware, it typically falls around a full moon. It might not, the full moon might not be exactly there, but it falls really close to a full moon, which is okay. important because it's called the moon festival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have some cool information about why the moon looks full longer at this time of year for later. later. Oh, I love that. So it'll give you like, like, this is why it's such a moony vibe. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So this is actually a really, really big, big celebration in like China. So the only celebration that actually outdoes it is the Chinese New Year itself. Wow. So it's huge. It's a huge deal. Yes, it's so big. So the Moon Festival basically blesses you with six different warm wishes. Oh. (laughs) So cute. That you will have happiness in life, gain satisfaction at work, find your true love, have a happy and united family, have loving and caring friends, and just general good wishes for a wonderful year ahead. Oh, those are so nice. Isn't that nice? Thanks for including work, since we all have to go. We all kind of have to do that. It's kind of a big part of our life. Right. Since money (laughs) exists, I appreciate that there's a good wish in there for that. Right. Because it's hard. It's hard to live without that. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's tough. That's lovely. So this is uh, considered a type of harvest festival because a lot of the things that they're giving is for the bounty of the year. But this celebration's activities encompass a lot more than food and can vary based on locality. So I'm going to start off talking about common aspects of like where like China's the biggest one. So we're going to talk about a lot of what they do and areas around them do. We'll get into a little bit more about what kind of smaller communities do around the area as well. Okay. Okay. So the main ideas of the festival itself, there are three of them. So the first idea of the festival is gathering together, and it's the focus on bringing loved ones together. So all of your family is, if they can't be together, they're focused on like, we're communicating together. We're all, at least in our hearts and minds, gathering together today. I love it. It's really sweet. The next part is Thanksgiving, and it's giving thanks for the bounty of the year and the unions among all of the people. That is a thing we should be more thankful for. We should for. be grateful for that more often, I think. So yeah. I kind of love that. Um, the last idea of the festi- festival is praying. And it's praying for things that are needed or wanted for the future. So you can pray for like, hey, I could really use like a good harvest next year because this year was a bit rough. Or it's I'm praying that I find good friendships next year. It's praying that I have a little bit more luck in my work life next year or just something that. along that. So it's, it's praying for things that are physical or emotional or anything along those lines. And if, if praying for things or just that terminology is a little triggering for you, mm-hmm. just change it to a word that, that makes sense. Setting your intentions. Yes. Manifesting, making goals. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that's positive the, thinking. Exactly. Whatever thing that doesn't make you feel uh, bad. <laughs> exactly. Call it that. That's what it for is. For me, instead of praying, it's I want to manifest the good things mm-hmm. because I feel like it might not happen, but it's less likely to happen if you're not putting your intentions out there. Mm-hmm. Put my good thoughts out into the mm-hmm. world and hope that good comes back to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about some origin stories of where this festival actually came from. So it's really hard to say when the festival really, truly began, but history shows that people in China have been worshipping the moon as far back as 3,000 years ago during the Shang Dynasty. So this is 1600 to 1046 BC. Wow. Yes. The moon festival itself became somewhat official several years later at some point during the Tang Dynasty, so 618 to 907 AD. 
So that's a big leap there. Mm-hmm. So it was at this point that emperors in the country started officially giving thanks to the gods and the moon for the year's harvest. It continued to evolve, with thanks also being given to officials for their hard work throughout the year, giving thanks to the moon for just being there in general. Thanks, moon. Right. And a time to pray for increased luck, fortune, and fertility. Ooh. Yes. Make me make things that are good. Exactly. Whether that's, it doesn't just have to be humans. Mm-hmm. Help me make good things. Mm-hmm. Yes. And hopefully good humans too, if that's what you're after. If to. that's what you're after. If that's what you want to do, <laughs> that's definitely part of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so there's, after these origin stories, there's some legends as to why these things started. And it's really interesting. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, so now we know vaguely when it started and what the overarching theme for the celebration is. So let's get into the real big legends. And there are two. They're very similar, um, but they offer different reasons as to why praying to the moon plays such a key and integral role in this celebration. Okay. So I'm going to be reading a big quote here because I feel like they told this better than I could. Love it. In the ancient past, there was a hero named Hu Yi, who was excellent at archery. His wife was Chang Yi. One year, the ten sons rose in the sky together, causing great disaster to the people. Yi shot down nine of the sons and left only one to provide light. An immortal admired Yi and sent him the elixir of immortality. Yi did not want to leave Chang Yi and be immortal without her. So he let Chang Yi keep the elixir. However, Peng Meng, one of his apprentices, knew this secret. So on the 15th of August, in the Chinese lunisolar calendar, when Yi went hunting, Peng Meng broke into Yi's house and forced Chang Yi to give the elixir to him. Chang Yi refused to do so. Instead, she swallowed it and flew into the sky. Since she loved her husband and hoped to live nearby, she chose the moon for her residence. When Yi came back and learned what had happened, he felt so sad that he displayed the fruits and cakes Chang'e liked in the yard and gave sacrifices to his wife. People soon learned about these activities, and since they were also sympathetic to Chang'e, they participated in these sacrifices with Yi. So when people learn of this story, they burnt incense on a long altar and prayed to Chang'e, now the goddess of the moon, for luck and safety. The custom of praying to the moon on mid-autumn day has been handed down for thousands of years since that time. Oh, wow. Right? Sad, but sweet. And just lets you know, like, looking at the moon, it's just looking at somebody who loved somebody so much and tried so hard to be protective of them. And I I thought it was really sweet. It's romantic. This one's not so romantic. (laughs) The next one's a little less sad, like happy, (laughs) a little bit more angsty. (laughs) So we're following a similar theme here. So after the hero, Hu Yi, shot down the nine of the ten sons, he was pronounced king by the thankful people. However, he soon became a conceited and tyrannical ruler. Mm, Makes sense. Of course. That's how that always goes. (laughs) In order to live long without death, he asked for the elixir from Ziwang Mu. (laughs) Excellent. Perfect. But his wife, Cheng Yi, stole it for... Stole it on the 15th of August because she did not want the cruel king to live long and hurt more people. Either way, we like her. Either way, she's delightful. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So she took the magic potion to prevent her husband from becoming immortal. Huyi was so angry when he discovered that Chang'e took the elixir, he shot at his wife as she flew towards the moon, but he missed. Chang'e fled to the moon and became the spirit of the moon. 
Hugi died soon because he was so overcome with great, great anger. Oh, no. Right. Thereafter, people offered a sacrifice to Changi on every 15th day of the eighth month of the lunisolar calendar to commemorate Changi's action. For saving them from that hateful man. Yes, she did a great job. So either way, she's either loving or she just really loves the people and wants to make sure that they're all safe and good and happy. Yeah. She's a good one. Mm-hmm. She's a good one. There's another myth that the sun and the moon are married and the stars are their children. Ooh. <laughs> it's so cute. So each full moon is actually just the moon being pregnant with a new star. And once it begins waning back to a crescent, that means a new star has been born. Oh, wow. And that's why people pray to the moon for fertility a lot. So those are the main legends about why this moon is so big. Lovely. Isn't that delightful? It's a big moon. It is a big moon. Full moons are gigantic and it's kind of wild. It is. It is wild. (sighs) It's a wild time. (laughs) So we've gotten into the myth of the whole thing. So what do people actually do on the Mid-Autumn Festival? What do they do? So obviously worshipping the moon is a big, big part of it, and that still plays a really key role today. Um, but there's also a mini-lantern festival, <gasps> just mixed in with this, which Love is really it. fun and really cute. So Any opportunity you have for lanterns. If you can throw a lantern up in the air, yeah. are you serious? Why would you not do you that? really, really should. Like, really, we should be doing this more yes. often in our lives. Like, I, especially if you live on the waterfront. Mm-hmm. Like, like, let them go out into a little float. Uh, you should. You like, should. once a month, why are we not doing this? Minimum. Minimum. <laughs> I think this should happen, and I... No one's going to listen to me, so I'm not, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, definitely don't confuse this with the Lantern Festival. That's not what this is. But lanterns kind of got added in sometime during the Tang Dynasty, and it became a really, really big, important part of the festival itself. So sometimes brightly colored lanterns are carried around. Sometimes they're released from towers. One tradition that just sounds really fun and whimsical. Sometimes people write riddles on their lanterns and other people have to attempt to figure out the answers. <laughs> I think it's really cute. That's fun. Isn't that fun? Today, the lantern is an integral part of the Mid-Autumn Festival. Lanterns now come in different shapes to represent different things in nature or of cultural significance. Some areas even float their lanterns down the river to guide the spirits of the drowned as practiced during the Ghost Festival, which happens just a little bit before this. Um, so it's these lanterns are guiding these lost souls home. Oh, that's really beautiful. It's really sweet. Oh, I love it. Yes. So I like the idea of incorporating lanterns into more festivals. Yeah, 100%. I think that they got the spot on. If you needed two more votes, you got them. Perfect. Beautiful. I love this. Okay. We have gotten to mooncakes because mooncakes are, I mean, it's one of the nicknames of this festival. Yeah. So, of course, they are a big deal when it mm-hmm. comes to the Harvest Festival. The cake part of things <laughs> the cake usually part. gets me going. So I anyway. am a huge proponent of cake. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, mooncakes are typically made in a circular shape. Occasionally, you might see a square, but it's circle on purpose, and it's to mimic the moon. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. And it's also, so not only is it the moon, but it's a symbol of completeness and reunion, which reunion is a really big theme of what this whole festival is about. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the mooncake is typically eaten after a large family meal together. If the family is feeling really ambitious, the cakes are going to be made the night of the festival. If you're not feeling so ambitious now... 
you can go buy them, <laughs> which would probably be me after one attempt of trying to make them and failing miserably. We'd have one moon festival where we all cried mm-hmm. and Brian and Seth told us it was actually fine. <laughs> Everything's okay. And then after that, we would buy them. Mm-hmm. I did read how to make them and the fact that it is a pastry adjacent cake. Oh, that's a little tricky. That's a little tough. And I don't think I'd be good at that. It gives us an opportunity to support our local businesses. Absolutely. I'm sure we (laughs) could find somewhere. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be me. Shop local, everyone. Shop local. (laughs) So after you've decided, am I going to be ambitious or am I going to go support local? (laughs) You've got your mooncake in hand and the head of the house is going to cut the mooncakes into small pieces and distribute them among the whole family. This is a symbolization of a family reunion. Um, So it's just bringing everybody together collective as a whole and sharing together of the bounty that you have. I love it. I think it's really, really pretty. Um, They can also be given to friends, coworkers, really just anyone that you care about. So there's a lot of different options. There's a lot of different ways that you can go about this. Um, We'll talk about a different mooncake tradition later. Okay. Um, But we're going to go into some of them like major mooncake traditions so you might be asking yourself i definitely was what exactly is a mooncake because <laughs> yeah. that's important so basically it's a small snack or dessert that is made in two really specific styles but there are also so many different variations on this and people have gone way way over the top now as we <laughs> as we like have gone on in time there's so many options so there's traditional or cantonese um, so that's the first one. And this is made with a pastry-like exterior, and it's filled with a thick, sweet or savory filling. Um, and then it's baked until they're a nice golden brown. Mm-hmm. They typically tend to be about four inches or 10 centimeters in diameter. And they tend to be about three to four centimeters thick. So they're like tartly. Yeah, they're very, they're very small. The filling is surrounded by a thin two to three millimeter crust. Mm. right so it's a really really thin exterior really really thick creamy either savory or sweet whatever you decided interior love it i'm not a lot of chinese desserts are super super sweet so that makes sense that they would be more mild it makes perfect sense the second main type that i found was snow skin so think of a mochi texture for this if you guys have ever had mochi ice cream Mm -hmm. these ones are not baked but they're instead chilled and then, again, they're filled with either a sweet or savory filling. And now I think it's important. Let's get into kind of the traditional flavors. Oh, yeah. So if you're going for a sweet mooncake, you're going to see stuff like sweet bean paste, lotus seed paste, or red date paste. Ooh, date. Right? I didn't think about that, but it sounded delightful. Mm-hmm. You might see one with, like, mixed nuts and fruit. And then these... These textures, these things, these flavors typically surround a salted and cured duck egg yolk. Oh. Which is interesting. Like, I read it and I was like, oh. But then part of me thought about it and I thought that that, yeah, that salty sweet combination could be really, really good. And like, uh, I think like a hard boiled type, it's a creamy texture. Right. If you're not going like too overly like hard boiled, but like when it gets just beyond that like gooey. Yeah. Gooiness. Yeah. It's, I could see that being really, really good. Yeah. So I'm for it. I kind of, I really actually want to try a traditional one and see, see what those are like. Mm -hmm. If you want a savory flavor, the typical, the typical things that you'll see in these cultures are they use ham, Chinese sausage, roast pork, or radishes. Oh. Yeah. So there's definitely, like I said, these are typical traditional ones. 
people have gone wild with this. Sure. You can and get, I bet your family has like what they like the best. Mm-hmm. So your family's Mumbai is always whatever. Or moon right. cake. Sorry. <laughs> Mumbai is different. different. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I know I want a moon pie. Hmm. I might is have to figure that out. Banana or vanilla? I don't think I've ever had a moon pie. I think it's I think it depends. I'm, I'm thinking it's banana, but I also think I've seen vanilla recipes. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go find one. That sounds delightful. <laughs> <laughs> I saw like some people were making like coffee filling ones, which I could definitely go for. Ooh, yeah. Or, um, which is a great place between savory and sweet. Oh, I think it's really yeah. nice. And some people were like filling theirs with ice cream instead. Oh, lovely. Right? Especially if they're having a hot fall like we currently are. Right. I could go for an ice cream moon cake right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds delightful. So as the years have gone on, things get more and more extravagant. The cakes are formed and imprinted with a stamp or mold with a fancy design. And then the name of the flavor is typically printed on it. Mm-hmm. Things are out of control now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you will see the most intricate of designs put on some of these oh i saw some and they were works of art oh it was beautiful and i bet the moon loves that i sure i'm sure the moon does love that i i just i looked at them and i was like that's so much effort to be put into something that's going to be cut up (laughs) (laughs) it is hard to eat so many people (laughs) (laughs) i would feel so bad if someone gave me one and then i'm eating it but i would appreciate the effort Mm -hmm. okay so we talked about how small they typically are Smaller mooncakes are coming back in vogue, but larger mooncakes have also been commonly made recently, some as large as eight meters in diameter. Holy moly. So we're getting big. <laughs> That's very large. That's huge. Oof. I can't imagine better have a large group you're sharing that with, because otherwise yeah. nobody's eating their whole Way portion. Way to brag about how many friends you have. Right. Jeez. That's what that feels like, <laughs> really. <laughs> I'm, I'm so popular. popular. I need eight meters of cake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop it, people. (laughs) You don't need to make the rest of us feel bad. (laughs) Another tradition that started happening is stacking 13 mooncakes on top of each other to make them look like a pagoda. Oh, cool. It's really cute. And then 13 represents the 13 months of the lunar calendar as well. So it kind of ties it all in there. Perfect. It was really cute. I saw that one designed out, too, and I was like, I would would feel bad eating that one, too. (laughs) Okay, so we've talked about mooncakes. Let's get into some more of the activities here that happen. I feel like this just, this would be the worst part. And after being, what's the word I'm looking for? Raised in a religion where dating was just awkward in general. <laughs> so this one hit me in a weird place. <laughs> nice. Because of course you have to have the obligatory awkward dating activities. Oh, of course. Of course. Every All the girls put a shoe in the middle of the gym. I mean, basically. And the guy has to dance with whoever's stinky shoe he picks up. We do have that here. So. <laughs> nah. Not, I mean, not exactly, but kind of. Because <laughs> of course we do. So we'll talk about first, girls often pray to Changi for success in all of their dating endeavors. That's part of the prayer ritual for those of please the no ladies who solicited dick pics please no please. one solicited dick pics mm. <laughs> yes please <laughs> oh my god that's all the luck you really need everything else you can get through <laughs> please no one telling me they're a nice guy after i've told them i'm not interested and then they message me a hundred times without me answering please none of that <laughs> i don't need that <laughs> those would be my prayers oh yeah <clears throat> 
Okay, here we are. Dances are thrown to encourage matchmaking. Girls will throw their handkerchiefs, and whoever catches it gets the chance to dance and potentially date her. Oh my gosh. The way you'd have to practice to throw your handkerchief at the boy you wanted. Like, I'm sure the girls have these deep conversations. Like, you throw yours this way and I'll throw mine mine that way. If he catches yours, pretend it's mine. (laughs) We have very similar initials. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's, let's, let's embroider them in such a way that they can be construed however is favorable for us. Absolutely. I like it. We are all in this together. Oh my goodness. So another thing here that was just awkward as fuck. So dates are arranged, but the girl hides beforehand to try to hear what her new suitor is saying about her to his friends. Ooh. So the hope is that this eavesdropping will let her hear nice things being said about her and that she will come out of her hiding place and have a marvelous time with just the nicest of people. Oh, that's not how it goes. That's not how it goes. Ever. I think that has the biggest potential to uh, backfire. Oh. I would not want to participate in that. The things that teenagers say when they don't want to be embarrassed are really hurtful. And just so mean. Oh. Just so mean. I think I would end up crying. Mm-hmm. Is what would happen for me. Oh. And the whole festival would be ruined. I wouldn't eat my moon cake. And I would be <laughs> telling the moon that she can go... Just you do and me, Moon. Thing. We're not on the same We're terms. We're not friends right now. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So those are the dating activities that are traditionally practiced around this festival. <laughs> I don't think I'd participate really in any of them. So <laughs> just throwing that out there. Okay, so some different regions have some different practices. So we're going to talk about a few of them. So in a southern Chinese province, just like a really, really small one, there is actually a really specific set of games that this province in particular plays. So there are, I need to learn how to count, four of them (laughs) that they play that I'm going to talk about here really quick. So the first one is called Ascent to Heaven. So to kind of mirror the ascension of the moon goddess into immortality, one girl is chosen out of a group to ascend into a celestial state of being. She's surrounded by the smoke of burning incense and she's told to describe the beauty of this new realm that she's supposed to be in. Oh, fun. Right? (laughs) Descent into the garden. This one is typically played by younger girls and I would not play this with any little young ladies in my life because (laughs) this just feels very, again, Christian being brought up Christian, I feel like something similar to this happened for me. When we see through a different lens, it's really hard to to get the cultural vibe mm-hmm. that they're trying to but transmit. Because I am definitely seeing this through a young Mormon girl vibe. Yeah. So, so typically played by younger girls, each girl is described a visit of theirs to a heavenly garden. Specific flowering trees are identified, and these are quote-unquote red to determine things like when the girl will have children how many children will they have and depending on the flower of the colors what are the baby's genders gonna be oh this is young girls that's very specific we are very much talking about that you know what you're gonna be having babies that's (laughs) that's what we get to look forward to i don't know if that's the intent but that felt like the intent growing up as a mormon girl and that is what i am projecting onto this (laughs) sorry i hope that it is i hope that it is better than what i am visualizing it to be Mm -hmm. visualizing it to be okay 
Number three, The Descent of the Eight Immortals. This one is pretty simple overall. So men play act eight immortals that take over the body of another man. That man then becomes based on what they like, what these immortals cast on him. He either becomes a warrior or a scholar during the game. So he's either going to be he's either going to become a person of great strength or a person of great mental strength. Oh, excellent. Yes. The last one is Encircling the Toad, and this one's another children's game. In this one, one child is selected to be the Toad King. Yes! Toad King! (laughs) Toad King! The children will all circle the child and sing a song that transforms the center child into a toad. That kid then hops around and acts like a toad until water is sprinkled on his head. (laughs) (laughs) So, you could be sitting there jumping and croaking for hours depending on how mean <laughs> the group of kids are playing with it that's cute and funny. Right? i love it so much i thought that was adorable i would play that the cycle repeats a different kid goes into the center and becomes the toad king cute it's really cute <laughs> i thought it was adorable all right so new section that we're talking about so in the chinese region of Xiamen, a dice game called bo being is the commonly played game around this time so this is a kind of gambling game using six dice and a wide-rimmed bowl. It was originally started in this in the 1600s, and this was used to help to boost the morale of some of the soldiers that were away from home during the mid-autumn festival celebrations. Okay. There are many ways to score points. I'm not going to go wildly into the game, but we're, we're going to talk about it a little bit because I thought it was kind of fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. So the main point of the game is to roll as many fours as you can out of the six die that you're using. The more fours you have, the higher ranking you'll have. Um, There are a lot of little nuances, but the ultimate role of the game is rolling six fours. You automatically win. Yahtzee. Yahtzee. And not only Yahtzee, all of the rounds previous that you've played, you get to steal all of the winnings from all of the (gasps) other people. Oh! Mm -hmm. So you win. (laughs) Nice! So, um, the prizes in this game are typically mooncakes. Larger mooncakes are given to larger ranked players, and then smaller mooncakes are given to, like, lower ranked players. Mm -hmm. A more modern practice is to give money or, like, just different kinds of prizes, so it's not just mooncakes anymore. Um, And there are actually mooncakes being sold now that have the instructions, the full set of instructions for this game on them. Oh, wow. So the mooncakes are definitely tied to this game pretty tightly. Yeah. We're going to talk about one more thing, and then I will wrap this one up. But we're going to talk about Hong Kong, who does things a little bit differently. And I think what they do is pretty beautiful. Oh. So they celebrate the festival a day later than everyone else. They also tend to give their mooncakes to other people instead of keeping them for their immediate family. So it's not a tradition of just, like, holding onto the mooncake, cutting it up, and sharing it around your family. The The custom is to give them away to people. Okay. And you're giving them away days before this, the festival, so that way they can partake of it on the day of the festival themselves and think about you the person who gave it to them that's nice i think it's really sweet they um they get real fancy with their mooncakes and that they give them in these like really intricate boxes some of these boxes costing like 40 bucks a piece oh wow So like the mooncakes might not be so fancy but the boxes that they deliver it them in are we're going to talk about one last thing that they do they have an additional celebration in victoria park called the fire dragon dance (gasps) That's so cool. So the dragon itself is over 200 feet long. So take that into your brain, first of all. We have a 200-foot dragon. 
and it typically takes about 300 people to operate it. Oh my gosh. It's intense. <laughs> this thing is massive. Wow. And so it's just a bunch of people are taking this dragon around, moving it around, dancing it around, mm-hmm. making just like the most beautiful of movements with it. The leader of the dragon leads prayers for peace and good fortune in the region. At the end of the ceremony, the dragon is thrown into the sea with other lanterns or pieces of paper or cards to symbolize the dragon taking away the misfortunes of the people in the area. Oh, good job, dragon. The dragon does such a good job. It's so beautiful. And I really really like their take on the whole thing. I like that they incorporated that into it. I think it's really beautiful, kind of like the lanterns. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. That, there's so much to this festival that we could go on for quite a while. Um, but it's just, I think it's impossible to really talk about what everybody does. But that really sums up the really beautiful side of this celebration and just people giving thanks and coming together. And well, I love it. I think it's lovely. Of At course. This time of year that's, that's special. Yeah, I think so too. That's really great. Yeah. So that is the Mid-Autumn fast Festival. Everybody go get yourself a mooncake. Yeah. And we'll celebrate on September 10th. On September 10th. Meet you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. Uh, let's go take a quick money break and then we'll come back. Okay. Are you ready? I'm very ready. <laughs> this is exciting. So um, my Harvest Festival has recently passed. Okay. It is on August 1st. Okay. Every year. And it's called Lunasa. And the way that it is spelled, it's a Gaelic holiday. So the way that it's spelled has um, vowels that I don't usually see making those sounds. Right. So I'm going to try really hard to remember to not get tripped up by it. Because when I see it written down, I'm like, no, no. I just can't figure it out. <laughs> no. Lunasa. Um, a, um, it's, sorry. <laughs> uh, the Britons had a similar holiday, Lamas. So a lot of people who celebrate Lunasa today call it Lunasa or Lamas. Okay. Um, the Welsh call it, it sounds like Goyaloust when the internet pronounces it for me. Oh, okay. But it's spelled, you know, Welsh. G-W-Y-L-A-W-S-T. Like they're trying to make fun of us. But I think that's what's happening. Oh, the Welsh. Your language is beautiful and very hard. (laughs) Which is the Feast of August. Oh. So August 1st is the halfway point between um, summer, the summer solstice and the autumn equinox. Okay. I have a sneaky feeling that I said autumn solstice somewhere in this. And so if I happen to accidentally read that, I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried to find it because it felt like I did it, but I couldn't find one. That's fair. I've done that so <laughs> many times. <laughs> okay. So Lunasa is a Gaelic and pagan festival celebrating the first harvest or the beginning of the harvest season. Lunasa is mentioned in some of the earliest Irish literature and originated with the pagans. Um, it's named for the god Lu. Let me tell you about Lu. I was about to ask. So He's perfect. cool. Lu is a member of the Tuatha de Danann. Um, there, there's a lot of Gaelic terms in this. And okay. so I do apologize for pronouncing them like a person who doesn't speak Gaelic. I tried to write down <laughs> Things that would make me sound at least at least you could figure out what I was getting at. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the the Tuatha de Danon is similar to like the Greek pantheon. It's all it's the these ancient gods and goddesses of, okay. uh, in the Irish Gaelic culture. So he's a warrior king, master craftsman and savior. He's associated with truth and mastery of skills, especially the arts oaths truth and the law and thusly he represents the um, rightful kingship okay he wields an unstoppable fiery spear a sling stone and is accompanied by his hound phalanese 
Balinese, his dog, who he loves. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he started the festival as a funeral feast and athletic competition in honor of his mother, Taytu, who is said to have died from exhaustion after clearing the plains of Ireland for farming. Okay. At the funeral games called, I wrote down how to say this one, Enoch Tayen. Um, Kingswood meet and declare a truce for the duration of the celebration. Oh, okay. Kind of like how at the Olympics, we all just pretend we're friends. Yeah, we're all the best of friends. So all the kings would come around and they'd be like, right now, we're buddies. Let's fight. Yes. In a fun way. In a really just party way. (laughs) There would be horse racing, which Lou is said to have invented. Okay. Music and storytelling, trading, civic court stuff that's important but boring, mm. and matchmaking. Of course. Historically, Lunasa occurs at the end of one of the poorest times of the year for farming communities um, between the time of, like, it's the time between crops. Right. So it's hot and they're hungry. <laughs> yes. Folklorists say that the holiday was celebrated on the tops of hills and mountains with a feast of the first fruits, religious rites, the sacrifice of a bull, visits to Cludy Wells, which are holy wells or sacred springs with a tree growing beside Aww. them, where visitors would pray for health while walking sunwise, um, which is like clockwise in the direction of the sun. Aww. Walking deosil or sunward or sunwise or clockwise um, was considered the prosperous course turning from the east to the west in the direction of the sun they'd walk around the well and leave offerings like coins or cluties which are small strips of cloth or ribbon that they would dip into the sacred water and then tie to the branches of the cludie tree and uh, i'll tell you some more but i have a note about that later Um, perfect and then they would dance and play and um, they'd do a they'd perform a dancing play where Lou seizes the harvest for mankind and defeats the powers of blight. Perfect. So let me tell you about Cluties. Because you know I'm into this kind of shit. Absolutely. <laughs> it reminds me of all the pretty little trinkets that we find in sacred places. Yeah. So there are local variations to the practice. At some wells, the tradition is to wash the affected part of your body. So it's for healing. Okay. So they'll go to the well and they'll wash the part of them that's hurt or sick with their cludy, the rag. Mm -hmm. And then they'll tie the rag to the branch. And as it deteriorates and and, um, disintegrates over time, the ailment is supposed to fade away also. Oh, that's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. At some wells, they're... Their rags, their discarded things, because they represent the bad thing you want to go away from Mm you. Um, At some places, they're beautiful ribbons and brightly colored things because they're an offering to um, the spirit in the well or to nature spirits in general as Thanksgiving. Yeah. So they can be lots of different kinds of things. So the operative principle is to shed the ailment and the cludie is thought to represent the ailment or the authoring. So it can be pretty disgusting if it needs to be okay. um, those that intend to view the cludie as an offering to the spirit saint or deity are more likely to tie an attractive or clean piece of cloth or ribbon the sacred trees at cludie wells are usually hawthorn trees but sometimes they're ash okay so if you ever happen to go past one of those and just see like rags and things tied all over a tree that's what it is i think if you didn't understand that it could look like, what are these people doing? Uh-huh. But if you get it, it's, it's beautiful. beautiful. 
and how some of them will be falling to pieces and some will be new and right i love it yeah that was really pretty i love that when we touched the stones and ancient stone circles they told us that they could heal us and it feels similar yeah to go to the earth and have it make you whole yeah i really loved it um, the most popular times for pilgrimage to Cludy Wells, um, like other holy wells, are on feast days of saints because of colonization. <laughs> <laughs> the pattern or patron day or um, old Gaelic festival holidays like uh, and I didn't look up how to say all the different holidays names. So I'm sorry if I do it wrong. Imbolc, Beltane, or I think I've heard somebody call it Beltane. OK, um, those are February and spring. Lunasa, which is the one we're talking about in August, or oh, this one I get wrong every time. Let me look at my spelling sheet. Samhain, perfect. It's the one that looks like Sam Hain to us. Yes, so it's tricky. <laughs> Samhain, which is the the Hallow's Eve one. Um, those are all the most common times that okay. people visit. Um, Clude, uh, Holy Wells or Cludy Wells. Okay, so folklorist, this lady, <laughs> she is cool, and I would love to hang with her. Okay. Oh, I don't know. She published this in 1962, so. It's been a minute. Uh, yeah, we'll see. What, I don't know what she's up to or if she's up, up to much. Mm. Folklorist Marie McNeil published the Festival of Lunasa um, in 1962. From her research, she gathered the following. So here's the things that were, can we pretty sure did happen for this festival. <laughs> Because, um, well, I'll talk about it a little further, but a lot of times when people come into a place, they destroy the history of the people who live there. Right. So there's not there's not always opportunities to be sure. Yeah. Uh, so we're pretty positive it involved a solemn cutting of the first of the corn of which an offering would be made to the deity by bringing it to a high place and burying it. A meal of the new food and of bilberries of which everyone must partake. They're a berry that is ripe at this time of year okay so in like the eastern united states a lot of people celebrate with blueberries that makes um, sense western united states uh blackberries i believe okay the things that are coming ripe at that time yeah a sacrifice of a sacred bull a feast of its flesh some ceremony involving its hide and its replacement by a young bull a ritual dance play, perhaps telling of a struggle for a goddess and a ritual fight, an installation of a carved stone head on top of the hill and a triumphing over it by an actor impersonating Lou, another play representing the confinement of Lou by the monster blight or famine, a three-day celebration presided over by the brilliant young god Lou or his human representative, and finally, a ceremony indicating that the interregnum was over and the chief god was in his rightful place again okay according to mcneil the main theme that emerges from the folklore and rituals of lunasa is a struggle for the harvest between two gods one god usually called krom dub um, guards the grain as his treasure and the other god lu must seize it for mankind sometimes this was portrayed as a struggle over a woman called ethne who represents the grain Lou also fights and defeats a figure representing blight. McNeil says, she's our friend from earlier, the folklorist, that these themes can be seen in earlier Irish mythology, particularly in the tale of Lou defeating Baylor, which seems to represent the overcoming of blight, drought, and the scorching summer sun. Okay. Which feels like something we could use. We need that right now, please. <laughs> it, to me, um, really called back to... Uh, when Persephone has to go to the underworld. Yes. And they're forced to give her back for the harvest. Yes. So that reminded me of that. Um, 
As colonization and Christianity distance peoples from their traditions, the names and histories of celebrations change and are sometimes wholly forgotten. Uh, in surviving folklore, Lou is usually replaced by St. Patrick, while Crom Du is a pagan chief who owns a granary or a bull and who possesses who opposes Patrick but is overcome and converted. Mm-hmm. Which is less cool. Lanasa was celebrated widely up until the 20th century under different names. So as people came in and said, you can't have that anymore. And now Easter is for Jesus. (laughs) They also changed Lanasa. So they called it Garland Sunday, Bilberry Sunday, which sounds like it's for hobbits only. That sure does. (laughs) (laughs) Mountain Sunday, which feels really cool for us here in the mountains. Yeah. And Crom Dub Sunday, who's the bad guy. Okay. A lot of people keep the tradition of climbing hills and mountains on Lunasa, but it's often reframed as Christian, Christian pilgrimages. Okay. Some fairs might survive as a remnant of Lunasa celebrations, like the Puck Fair, which takes place every year in Kilgorlan County, Kerry in Ireland on, from August 10th to the 12th. Let me tell you about King Puck. <laughs> this is a cool fair. Perfect. Okay. A group of people go into the mountains and catch a wild goat. Yes. And they haul it back to town and the queen of Puck, who's a little <laughs> primary school girl. Oh my God. I love this already. <laughs> so much. Crowns the goat King Puck. <laughs> and the king is kept in a cage on a high stand for the three days of the fair. And at the end, they return the sovereign to the mountains and set him free. Oh, <laughs> The legend goes like this. During the conquest of Ireland in the 17th century, pillaging inspired by approaching enemy forces was happening in the countryside around Shannara and Kilgubnet. Sorry, I said that wrong. A goat broke away from his herd um, when they were headed up into the mountains and he wanders into the town. His arrival alerted the town to approaching danger because goats are a pagan fertility symbol. And one wandering into town around the time of Lunasa felt like a sign. Okay. Um, so the people used the advanced warning to protect their people and their herds before the pillagers came. Okay. So he saved them, that yeah. little goat man. He's just a goat, but you know. But still. And that's why he's the king. <laughs> I love it so much. Isn't that lovely? It's beautiful. Um, modern pagans and neo-pagans observe Lunasa today as a religious holiday. The holiday is celebrated on August 1st in the Northern Hemisphere and February 1st in the Southern Hemisphere. Okay. Um, but some celebrate it at the astronomical midpoint between the summer solstice and the autumn equinox or the nearest full moon to that midpoint. OK. And that can change based on the moon. Right. So it's not always the same date. of the OK. Year. Um, other echoes of Lunasa are in the traditions of family reunions often being held in August. And this is so I similar love it. to yours. It's so beautiful. I love that so much of this just revolves about like. Let's bring our loved ones together, mm-hmm. the people that we care about. It's and been just hot, surround ourselves. we've been hungry, and now there's food, and it's cooling off. Let's be together with the people we love. Yes. I love it. Um, sometimes traditions are moved to adjacent holidays, like the 4th of July here in the U.S. Oh, okay. So that's why, like, some of those summer and early fall holidays are for gathering together, because it's left over from these that makes ancient traditions. That makes sense. Like, Lunasa, like, um, what the... Mid-autumn festival. Mid-autumn festival. Yep. All of those are related. Yes. Um, Lou is often venerated at this time by pagans and neo-pagans. And um, if a gentle rain falls on the day of your festival, it's him showing his presence and bestowing his blessing on your celebration. Oh, I love that. Just tender as fuck. Did you ever, this is like a side, side track, but it kind of made me think of it because people always told this to me. <laughs> if it rains on the day of your wedding, your whole 
like life together will have more luck associated with it. Have you ever heard that I before? Haven't. That's wonderful. Isn't that nice? So I had rain, snow, everything yeah. on mine. And people were like, you're just like really covered at this point. You guys are going to be <laughs> the luckiest. You're solid. Yes. <laughs> That's so wonderful. <laughs> Isn't that great? We got married um, in November and there was no snow on the ground. Oh, no. And it's so like, so in the pictures, you can't even tell what time of year it was. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was sunny and beautiful. It could be summer wedding. Yeah. <laughs> this is November. <laughs> we were in March and we looked like we were in the middle of December. March is a tricky month. It is. My parents were married in March and it was in a big flood year. Mm. So like whole streets in Salt Lake City had flooded. Oh, my God. Like record storms. It was nuts and it snowed on their wedding day. <laughs> I, I didn't hate it. I, will, I actually <laughs> thought that it was like... The snow added a really nice, beautiful yeah. element to the whole and thing. Before you don't want to get married three days after it snows, because no. then that snow is yucky. Exactly, so it's kind of kind of beautiful. It, it worked out well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wiccans also celebrate Lunasa. I love it, um, and I don't know a ton about Wiccan. Um, belief systems and everything, but uh, there are a bunch of them on the TikTok. Yes, and. Um, they taught me something really cool today, and I hope okay. it's real. So let me tell you this, and then I'll tell you about that TikTok man. So Lunasa or Lamas, they celebrate as one of the eight yearly Sabbaths. It's the first of three harvest celebrations on the Wheel of the Year, which is a calendar of the eight pagan Sabbaths that mark the sun's journey throughout the year and one of the most auspicious times for hand fasting, along with um, the spring one, Bel- Beltane or Beltane, however you're okay. supposed to say that one. The other two harvest festivals are Mabin, which happens on the fall equinox. This year it's on September 20th to 23rd. Okay. And Samhain, which is Hallow's Eve on October 31st. Perfect. This is this is the wheel. I love it. That's so very much pretty. easier to follow. I love it. And it's gorgeous. It's very lovely. People make like they design their own and they put it in their pretty witch spell books. What do you call that? A uh, um, grimoire. Yeah. Like and they have lovely ones framed in their homes. That sounds really nice. And they celebrate. Sometimes they celebrate every Sabbath. Sometimes they celebrate a few. They mm-hmm. celebrate the four cardinal ones on the solstices and equinoxes. OK. However, they choose to participate in their faith yeah so that's really lovely and when I was reading a little bit more about the wheel and I thought well why don't you check TikTok of course (laughs) and this guy said something I hope that it's real it made my heart feel good a lot of the holidays that we celebrate as being part of a white predominantly Christian culture Mm -hmm. don't belong to us right and that is complicated very when your culture is participating in such a great deal of colonization and the taking of traditions from other people or renaming them and replacing them with our own. Right. It's complicated and it can feel sometimes like there are a few things as white people that we can own without feeling like we're stepping all over other people. Right. Which is a yucky thing I don't want to participate in. Absolutely. Same. But these holidays, even if they weren't represented in a wheel anciently, are the things that people who looked like us did millennia ago Mm -hmm. so they could be the roots of something that 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 we didn't take from anyone else right and then it was taken away and changed (laughs) and ruined and now there are pieces of it pieces of it that are being returned to us through people like wiccans and pagans and neo-pagans who Mm -hmm. are rediscovering these ancient traditions yeah and i kind of i kind of like that to think of a thing that people who look like me had a really really long time ago yeah that we can celebrate again um, that I that I can know 
hopefully I'll do my I'll do my best to learn enough to know for sure that I didn't take it from anybody else right <laughs> because ancestrally that's where my family comes from yeah and and these things are celebrated not just in Ireland but throughout like the the uh, see it's even colonizing to say the British Isles <laughs> yeah but like in in Scotland and the Isle of Man like these places where where my people came from they right. had these things and yeah it's nice to look back to that I think so, too. I thought that was really lovely. Yeah. And I hope that as time goes on, we're all able to find the things from our past, from the people who gave us our looks and, right. and our distinction um, to go back to the things that they believed in and enjoy them, too. I love that. I hope we can all uncover those things for ourselves and take them for our own. Yes. No matter what we look like. Exactly. <laughs> that would be really great. Take your own toys. <laughs> Play with your own things. Mind your business. Yes. And then we can take our traditions to each other and share them in in goodness. You know, yes. and not saying mine's better than yours or you have to pick mine. Right. But like, here's the thing that people like me made. Um, I would like to enjoy it with you while you share the things from your people with yes. me. And have that be like a really true expression of our gratitude and our celebration together. That is the beautiful way to do this. I would love it to be I real. Lo- I, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Cross your fingers. Right. You know, as as things are things are always bad and good at the same time. Right. And I love that that there's a good good things coming back from the past. Well, as we uncover all the bad things we've been pretending didn't happen. <laughs> yep. I'd like, it's nice that there's both. Right. We need to acknowledge all of them. Ex- exactly. Exactly. They're all fair. They're all important and yes. part of history and, and help us to know who we are and who the people around us are mm-hmm. and what's better. I mean, this whole podcast is about stories. Exactly. And that's what I want to hear is the stories about other people. Um, the stories about us the stories about people who used to be who are yet to be I just love to know about us all the parts of us even the parts that are yucky because that is part of us too unfortunately truly I mean and scientifically it becomes genetically part of you right and we become the trauma that our that our ancestors experienced and the joy that they experienced like it's all part of us Mm-hmm. So it's it's worth acknowledging. <laughs> I think so. And at least yes. it's worth acknowledging. Yes. So that is um, Lunasa, which is a beautiful, beautiful celebration. I love it. It happens around the Harvest Moon. And in our town, we have a Harvest Moon Festival we every do. year. It's so much fun. And so, um, and I don't know if you follow me on TikTok, you know that I have very strong feelings about Neil Young. <laughs> and so Harvest Moon was another thing I wanted to look up for us really yes, quickly so we'd it. understand what it was. I learned today because <laughs> I thought, oh, I'll just check really quick. Mm-hmm. All the full moons have a pretty name. Yes. Uh, depending on like the month or the time of year that they occur. The Harvest Moon doesn't belong to a month. It takes the place of either. Well, I'll get ahead of myself. <laughs> Let me read what I wrote. OK, so this year the Harvest Moon will appear um, from September 9th to 11th. OK. Um, gosh, I wish I had my calendar out so I could see when this episode comes out. But I think it's after that. I think after that. Yeah. But not too far. This I is a September close. episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, the harvest moon relates to the timing of the autumnal equinox, which is this year on September 22nd, um, and is the full moon that occurs closest to the equinox. It usually takes place in September, taking place on the full corn moon, which is oh. what September's full moon is when yes. it's not taken. Oh. A homie to the colors of the wind, if you holler mm-hmm, back mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. that that lovely song. But sometimes it's in October, taking place of the full hunter's moon, Oh, which is lovely. Yes. So for several evenings, 
the moonrise comes soon after sunset, and this results in an abundance of bright moonlight early in the evening, which was a traditional aid to farmers and crews harvesting their summer-grown crops. I got this. Okay, so I need to tell you where this comes from because, um, what's his name? Fred is going to tell us. <laughs> A lovely anecdote later on. So I read an article on almanac.com called What is the Harvest Moon by Fred Schaff. Okay. And he's a delightful man. Beautiful. So these are the things he's teaching us. So it it aids the farmers and their crews harvesting their summer-grown crops. Hence, it's called the Harvest Moon. The Harvest Moon isn't like other moons, though. It's not a regular old moon. Usually throughout the year, the moon rises an average of about 50 minutes later each day. Okay. So that's when the days get longer and shorter. The moon's moving about yeah. fif- about 50 minutes. Um, but for the few nights around the harvest moon, the moon seems to rise at nearly the same time, just 20 to 30 minutes later across the northern USA and only 10 to 20 minutes later for north, farther north in Canada and Europe. Okay. So for the people who are celebrating Lunasa, um, it was only like 10 or 15 minutes later every day. So Wild. it seemed like the moon was pausing for a couple of days in a row. That's cool. Isn't that cool? So no wonder they were like, there's something going on here. Uh-huh. This is a thing we should do. We should make this like well, celebrated yeah, and a big deal. Now. Yeah. Um, additionally, the harvest moon rises at sunset and then will rise very near sunset for several nights in a row because um, the difference is at a yearly minimum. So... Um, it, it just, it makes the moon special. Yeah, yeah. It may almost seem as if there are full moons mul- multiple nights in a row. Oh, wow. Isn't that neat? That's so cool. According to astronomy author Guy Otwell, the idea of the harvest moon originated in Europe, average latitude about 50 degrees north, where the harvest moon rises only 10 to 20 minutes later each night. It must have seemed a boon that just when the days were getting rapidly shorter and the sun seemed to go down all too soon, the harvest moon arrived to extend the hours that harvesting could be done. Which is also vitally important because they couldn't just go to the grocery store. Right. If they didn't get that food, they wouldn't have that food. No. So, big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As a final note, he says, this is just a note from Fred. Oh. I should add that it is not just Western civilization that has given special importance to the harvest moon. For Chinese people everywhere, this full moon is occasion for the festival of the August moon, which is another name for the Mm mid-autumn festival. Even though it's not technically August, August, or maybe it's still August in September. It's a different calendar. It's a different calendar for sure. (laughs) Yeah. The mid-autumn festival. In some cultures, the equinoxes and solstices have been considered the middle of seasons. So that's a little bit why it's mid-autumn. Yeah. This festival is celebrated with joyful games, the eating of mooncakes. I remember vividly, not me, Fred, okay? I remember vividly being invited to one such celebration and singing songs and playing my guitar to a circle of friendly faces in the light of the rising harvest moon. Isn't that lovely? That's exactly what I want to be doing. Yes. Um, So that's what the harvest moon is. You guys, this time of year, for all kinds of reasons, for lots of different people, not just my reasons, is is special. It is. It's special. It's magical. It's just, there's something about it. Yeah. We had this hot summer where we did, you know, we were up late and up early Mm -hmm. and it was nuts. And for some people with kids, they were out of school and now they're back in school. Yeah. Or people who are educators, like, um, or have seasonal kinds of work. Yeah. We were gone and now we're back. And 
the air will get crisper. Yeah. And we'll put lights in pumpkins and then mm-hmm. twinkle lights on our houses. It's it's turkey time. It's pumpkin pie time. It's, it's pumpkin spice latte time. Absolutely it is. Like it's it's the kind of goodness that you it just wouldn't be the same if we had it all year long. Right. I th- it's special because it's such a it's a small window. It's it, the only time of year when I'll have like the candles that smell like food. Yep. For some reason, my whole brain changes and I like it again. Right. It's only <laughs> for a few months, but it works out perfectly. Gosh, it's flannel. It's boots. It's just your families get together. Crunchy leaves. It is a good <sighs> time. And we have um, a couple of fall episodes some spooky spooky episodes so exciting for those uh get ready for us to live our wildest dreams yes as we go through our favorite of the seasons and hopefully you guys appreciate it too because we will be gushing about it (laughs) i hope you get at least one beautiful night under the full moon with the people that you love this year absolutely oh Friends, let's do this again sometime. And say hi to your mom for me. Oh, and save me a piece of mooncake. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs>